Welcome to the What's the Revolution show. This show for men and the people who love them. We'll discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's going on, everybody? My revolutionary friends, the people. What's happening with you? There's a lot going on in the world today. Hopefully you are making your way in, making some way out of the, out of the way that you... You know, I don't even know what to say today, Jazz, you know what I'm saying? Just all this stuff going on, Roseanne, Starbucks, I don't even know how we do this thing every day. How do you be mentally tough during this time, you know, particularly as a person of color? What does that look like for you when every day on your feed you're seeing somebody commit some racist act? You know, the brothers in Philadelphia, my frat brother, you know, had to go through that. I wake up yesterday, Roseanne and her racist tweets. That was interesting to me. It was really interesting to see that, and I talked to my good friend Natalie Burke yesterday, and what I realized is that I have become numb to this. Isn't that interesting? Rachel, isn't that interesting that I have become, because I saw the tweet and I just went on about my day. It didn't make me mad. It didn't make me mad until we talked later on today, later on that day with Natalie, and I said, you know what? Wow. I didn't really get upset. I saw it, and I went on about my, I went on about my business. And I realized that we have become so, you know, every day and what we see and hear our feeds that you just become like, okay, this is a part of everyday life in Trump, in Trump land. And I'm like, wow, but now her show is gone. But there's still going to be something else. So how do we have the mental fortitude to wake up black and male, black and female, Hispanic, Latinx, all the things that are out there, that the intersectional people that we are, and still go and do our business? So who better than to help me answer that question, how to be mentally tough, how to make our way in this world today, you know, with every with everything that's happening, is... A former former U.S. Navy SEAL, you know, because you would think that a SEAL would know how to be mentally tough every day, every second, every hour of the day. So I figured I was like, you know what? I know a U.S. Navy SEAL. Jake Swig. What's up, Jake Swig? How you doing? What up, Chuck? How you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, brother. What's going on with you, man? How you been? Doc, I'm about to bring some sauce to this radio show, man, <laughs> you know. You, feel... you got all this high flute and doctor stuff going on. I'm bringing energy and jazz, man. It's I a, am mad it's at a simple, simple answer for me, man. I don't listen to the noise. You don't listen to the noise? I don't listen to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been through some stuff in my life. I don't have time to worry about what Roseanne Barr is doing. She ain't putting no food on my plate. <laughs> One thing you all will know at the end of this hour is that this brother tells it like it is you know i've been knowing what is 1998 so this this is 20 years right this yep. is tw- this is 20 years and you know i can't really tell the story about how we met but <laughs> um yeah we got to decide brother what we're going to do for you and jermaine's 20th anniversary brother you know yeah no no question you know i'm just happy to be alive at this point yeah. so. <laughs> no doubt no doubt let's get into the show brother what's your revolution Man, my revolution is simple, man. I build champions for life. It's what I do. You, you build, know, <laughs> you build champions for life. Uh, if anybody knows that, you have three little champions that you're actually building right now. Yeah, I got I got three kids, but you know, like I got you know I got some trailblazers coming up right now. I should in the next six months have the youngest submarine captain in the history of the Navy. Yeah, he he's one of my guys. I got a guy right now on Wall Street making four point five million dollars a year as a thirty year old. 
He's doing pretty good. I got another guy that's the number one in SEAL intelligence officer in the Navy. I got a young lady that I'm mentoring that should be interviewing for her first lacoste, uh, head lacrosse job here in a couple days. You know, that's what I do, man. I build champions for life. I build world-class organizations through leadership development and leadership identification. You know, leadership is what I do the best, and so I use my knack to grow individuals. I am um, training right now. I'm not even going to say any more information, but <laughs> I am training a person who is going to be the first person in the history of the event that she is going to do. She's going to be the first. She's going to be the first. She's going to be the first. So, that's... so when that when that pops off, that will be, you know, that would be good. But, you know, I just like to help people get to where they want to go and get there a lot faster with a lot less bumps than I had to take along the road. I ain't mad at you, brother. So we're going to get into that. I appreciate that. He builds champions for life. I love that, man. Simple, easy, but I build champions for life. That's a revolution, brother. You know, we always ask a couple of questions, man, just to get into it. What's on your nightstand, man? What are you reading? Uh... So I'm reading maybe the best book that I've ever re read ever. Why are we good at picking – I'm sorry, why are we bad at picking good leaders? Mm. So it's, it's a leadership book. I, I got a lot of, you know, bad leadership stories that I'm going to write a book about. And so I was trying to do some research to find a book on bad leadership. You know, you always hear the axiom out there. You learn a thousand times more from a bad leader than you do a good leader. And it's so true. And so I was looking for some books, and I came across this book, and it's right in line with what I do, right? Like, I, I hire people. I hire superstars. Right. And I have a very unique way of hiring people, and I have a very unique way to train people to hire people. But the result is the same. Like, we hire superstars because, you. you know, we have the, what we look for is completely different. And you can't prepare for an interview if you don't talk, right? Like, how many people have been to an interview where they said two sentences and the interview was over and they were successful or, or failed in two sentences, right? So, you know, it comes back to this book is, is pretty monumental. I've been listening to a lot of John Maxwell right. trying to get, get his stuff in line. And then, um, you know, those are probably the, like I'm reading, you know, the why we're bad at picking good leaders. But right. Give me one key thing if somebody's listening today. Uh, if they're a manager, they're hiring a manager, they're a CEO, they're looking for somebody good. What's one piece that you've picked up from that book that they could take away from? You know what a superstar looks like? Stop wasting your time interviewing somebody for 45 minutes when you know they're not a superstar sitting in front of you. Wow. Wow. You know what the superstar looks like. So on the other side of that, Jake, and we won't really, I, want, I really want people to hear more about your life, but on the other side, what are the qualities of a superstar? So I, I always say the same thing. Superstars come in, you know, any race, creed, color, age. So the, the one thing that I've noticed is our culture has become uh, age dependent, right? Like you got to be 30 to be a mid manager. You got to be 40 to be in a leadership position. But if you really go look at who's changing the world with social media, them cats 13, 14, 15 <laughs> years old. Right. 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 Like, 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 I got a full college scholarship to college in the eighth grade, okay? So, you know, I was, on a, I was on a different track than everybody else was on. And I think that identification of superstars, right, like a lot of all too often, we, we rely on age to quantify capabilities when that couldn't be farther for the truth. So, you know, like I'm running, you know, I'm helping develop the leadership development model here at the University of Illinois, 
and we kicking it off. We got screening two weeks from now, and they asked me what I was going to do, and I said, man, I'm going to put them through my leadership identification, and they're like, okay, then you're going to interview them? I said, I don't interview people. But my <laughs> interview will be done once I see them in action. Right, right. You right. know, but I, I interview differently because – you know, you knew 200,000 years ago when you were fighting for your life, if you met somebody in passing, you knew immediately whether they were a friend or a foe and you had to take the appropriate action. Right, right. Put in it our, in, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. Put it in context. You're right. You knew they were a friend or foe. So the superstars are out there. And we, and like you said, what you're doing in your work is that you're just making sure that the champ, when, when, when that championship opportunity comes along, that they're ready for it. 100%. So, like, I think there's a different thing. Like, hiring to me is different than development, right? So I had this question just a couple of days ago about development. Can you develop bad people into good leaders? And the answer is no, you can't, right? The easiest way. So why am I so successful making complete superstars? Because I start with complete superstars. Mm-hmm. And then I mold their behavior and what they're deficient in. And we work on deficiency. So, like, John Maxwell says it best. If you're a two piano player and you work your whole life, you might get to a four. Stop wasting your time. And it's funny because <laughs> I learned to I learned to read in college, right? Right. I can read really well now. I don't waste any time on writing. I got two ghostwriters. I send my stuff to them. Right. They send it back and it's world class. I could spend the rest of my life trying to get good at writing and all I'm really doing is wasting good energy that I could be spending developing leaders, hiring leaders developing organizations and making successful people, you so, know? So what you're saying is, is that we have to understand what, what our championship caliber is and then to hone in on that. Is that what you're saying? 100%. Right. So, 100%. so no. So, so know, what you, know what your skill is. Know what you're, you, where you're going to make that mark in the world and don't try. So like you said, I'm not going to go out there and try to, you know, be LeBron on the court, right? Oh, no. No, no. Oh, but, no. But, but, but Dr. Corporal has the skill. And what is needed to go to the next level is to be able to say, you know what, I need to be able to identify that skill and then to move forward. And then to have somebody like a coach like yourself, is that what you're saying, to push me even further? Yeah, so, so you know, it's interesting, Chuck. We talked about this, this uh, radio interview, and I talked to you about hiring and firing mentees. Right. Right, and I just got asked this question yesterday. They're like, you fire mentees? I'm like, oh, yeah, you get fired <laughs> quick. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I said, you don't do what I tell you to do. I'll fire you. And they're like, why is that? I said, because you're not a high performer. Because a high performer talks to me and knows that I'm going to make them better. Right. And they want to be a high performer, so they do what I ask them to do. A low performer says, man, you're asking a lot. Man, you want me to do all that? Man, you, you want me to turn my cell phone and my car keys into my dad? <laughs> hey, you know what, partner? You good. Don't, don't worry about that. Right. So the example I'm going to give you. I was mentoring a young man out in Montana, African-American kid, wants to be a Navy SEAL, wants to go to the Naval Academy, but he's an underperformer. He, his, his mom's a principal. His dad works was a West Point graduate, super high-performing parent, but they brought him a brand-new BMW, okay? So I'm talking to the kid, and he has some, some want-to-win issue, right. okay? And you can't be great if you don't want to win. I don't care who you are. Okay, you got to want to win. And so I asked him to put some positive affirmations on his mirror. And so about two weeks later, I, I kind of hinted, I felt the same kind of thing coming out of him, right? 
So I said, hey, man, I said, what are your positive affirmations? After two weeks of seeing your positive affirmations on your mirror, on your door, on your steering wheel, in your car, in your book bag, on your locker, you should be able to tell me what your positive affirmations are immediately. Correct? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so, boom, long story short, he stumbled a little bit. I said, hey, man, I said, tell me you wrote your positive affirmations He down. had not done it. He had not done it. No. You know what he told me? He said, I ain't got to that little thing yet. What? Yeah. Oh, no. You, you, know, what, you know what I said to him? I said, hey, man, have a good life, <laughs> bud. You out of here. Uh, that's one thing. That's one yeah. thing. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I, I hear you. You know? I, I hear you. And then, Go ahead, Jay. dad Go tried ahead. to call me and so I said, hey, man, listen, man. I got no time for average people. I said, your son is average. You raise him average, he's going to be average, okay? I said, I don't have time. I don't mentor average people. I said, and it's, I definitely don't mentor you if you don't do the, the simple things I ask you to do because I change people. Right. But if you don't want to change, that's fine because I, I got enough superstars in my, in my Rolodex right now. <laughs> I don't need to help you as a junior in high school get into the Naval Academy. I don't need to help you become a Navy SEAL because you don't have the propensity to do what I ask you to do right now, so you're not going to be successful in either one of those endeavors. Man, like I said, if you're listening to the show today, you're going to get the cut and dry. You're going to get it like it is. You're listening to the What's the Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpru. My man, Jake Swig, former U.S. Navy SEAL, action reality TV star. Brother, we're going to get to that in a minute. Jake, you know, you talk about this, about being a SEAL. What what made you, what, what was the impetus, what was the grind, what was that desire to say, you know what, I'm going to be a seal. So it's kind of interesting, man. You know, you get little germs and seeds planted in your head. You know, you already, I already told you, I got into University of Washington as an eighth grader. So I, I took that uh, offer of a scholarship to the engineering department at the University of Washington, and I leveraged that into a scholarship to, uni to the Naval Academy. Right. So I got into the Naval Academy as a freshman in high school. I got into West Point as a sophomore. And that was back in the early 80s. I was watching Top Gun every day. I was going to be an <laughs> F-14 fighter pilot, right? I grew up right across the street from Fort Lewis, Washington. I grew up in the woods. I wore camouflage to school every day. I wore camouflage paint as much as I could. To school? Like, I loved you guns wore, and camouflage. You wore camouflage paint to school, though? Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, no question. And, I, and for, for three or four years, I had Mr. T. Mohawk, like, <laughs> with, with camouflage. Like, I was rocked out, 18, Green Berets, Army Ranger, Second Ranger bat all the way. Come on, man. And, uh, looking like Rambo? Yeah, looking like a light-skinned Rambo? Oh, no, that's all it was, man. I was, I was Ramboed up. So uh, I got to the Naval Academy. I went to prep school for a year, um, trying to work on learning how to read, right? right. I, I decided I didn't want to go directly to the Academy, so I chose to go with the prep school. And then the first day I was there, man, they awarded Jim Galladay, who ended up being the first Navy SEAL to graduate from the Naval Academy. They awarded him a bronze star for his actions at Padilla Airfield down in Panama. He was down there, and a bunch of guys got shot up. And I was like, yo, what's that? And like, yo, those are the crazy guys, special forces. <laughs> and, like, that quick, I was like, yo, them airplanes are cool, but I'm going to shoot people. And that's, that's as simple as it was. Right, like, right. You know, and after that, it was a wrap. Seven years later, I got it done. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. At the time, you were one of the first uh, first African American males who were a, a SEAL. Uh, good friend, good family friend. I know that you know him well. Bill Goins was one of the, one of the first, you know, African American yeah, yeah. Navy yep. SEALs. Yeah, you know, doing his thing, led led the way. So, 
people see, you know, people see sometimes, um, you know, on TV or in the movies, what buds, what SEAL training is like. But, you know, you've been there. What What is that like for, you know, what was it like for you? And then, because I always say you're a caveman, Jake. Um, but 100%. Yeah. What was that like for you? And then I want to ask that next question. What was SEAL training like for you? So, you know, I tell people, man, I'm not cut from the same cloth everybody else cut from. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. We know I, that. And look, I went to SEAL, not being I went to SEAL training 100% out of shape because <laughs> I had thought it, SEAL training had gotten easy, and I wanted it to be as hard as possible. So I showed up out of shape. I ran a, You're supposed to run a 32-minute four-mile. I ran a 38.50 my first four-mile and almost had – I had to run into the ocean because I was getting heat stroke. And I didn't want to pass out <laughs> on my first day of SEAL training. Come on, man. I swear to God. So, so wait a minute, hold you on. Know, first day you had to run a 32-minute four mile. I mean, that's eight minutes a mile. You know, so yeah, it, it, in, it's in not the sand. Bad. In, in the, the sand. sand. Oh Lord. But I didn't do that. I ran a 38.50. I wasn't even close. So they like, wanted they you to ring I the bell died. the first day. Is that what you're saying? They wanted you to ring the bell the first day. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, you know, like that was the thing. There was there was thousands of dollars riding on my head at Buds. But you know, I I I I chew that shit up and spit it right back at. Him. Oh yeah, hey, hey, hey. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. No cursing. No. <laughs> oh, that's right. We're on the radio. I forgot. Well, you talking about seal training now, so you got to get a little bit barbaric, yeah, right? I, I, I can't. Understand, I understand that. We have FCC regulations that we have to. Where's my ten? Where's my ten second delay that I can get the beeper on, Joe? Oh, we, yeah, we are gonna make sure that it happens. <laughs> we are gonna make sure we. Okay, I appreciate that. I, but you're talking about field training now. So when you talk about field training, you got to flip the switch, right? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going back in time to, to primordial man. I know. I and know to that's survive, you got to be a savage. Yeah, and and, and, and and that's that's exactly what it is. You got to be a savage. So understanding that, going through buds, going uh, going through <laughs> going through buds. Um, Going through all of this, I mean, it made you it made you into a, a different man. Um, but hold on a second, brother. I, I think that there's somebody on the line who wants to ask you a question. Uh, you, Amir. Amir. What's up, brother? How you doing? I, I'm well. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing we're doing well. In my excitement, dear brother. Um, we <laughs> we we lost dear Jake, so I'm going to have to get him to. Uh, Call back, but how are you, Amir? I, I'm extremely well. Um, go ahead, a good brother. Yeah, no, 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 no. Tell me about you. So, Amir is 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 one of my my grandsons. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's right. Uh, so, what, what's going on with you, dear brother? How are you? As I try to get uh, as I try to get your dean back on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, so so I'm extremely well. Um, I happened to to walk out of the office. Something told me to to leave early, and then I saw the the message transmit. You know, where you reached out to me and my LB, indicating that you would be live on the air today with with none other than than two nine eight Lambda Omega, life <laughs> life member number forty three oh eight himself, and I heard him not realizing this was a family oriented show, and there are SEC regulations, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not surprised. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt, no, no doubt. You got to take care of it. I can't. Um, so, D- Jake said earlier, we trying to figure all of this out at one second because I, I cut him off. Um, right, right there. There's, the, there's the number right there. Um, just press call. Um, Jake said that he makes champions, right? Right. So he said he makes champions alike. How did Jake 
make you, because you're, you're one of the most successful people that I know, how did Jake make you a champion for life? Well, you know, I mean, Jake is a dynamic man. You know, uh, bar- barbarianism aside, you know, he he's one of those people who can instill confidence for life, and he can make you go out of yourself. Yeah, so no when, doubt. When he inspires you and when he can, he, he's able to tap in and show you that you can be bigger than yourself and, and, and bigger than what your imagination allows you to do. Being the ninth black SEAL officer ever, he had to have the audacity of hope within himself to believe that he can be bigger than what society was willing to tell him to do. And he takes that and he instills that into people at the collegiate level, at the professional level, etc. And so every time I walk into a room, I turn on my Jake syndrome and I say, you know, <laughs> which, which one of you uh, Mike Foxtrots are coming in second? Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the mentality that's been instilled in me by him. Yeah, um, so, no doubt. Jake, you, you, how that Jake, you recognize that voice? No, I don't, I don't know who that is. That's just a superstar, though. <laughs> that's a superstar right there. Oh man, it's good. It's good to have my family on the phone with me. As I said, Amir is my grandson. If you don't know, Jake is my son. I was Jake's dean uh, as he made his way through the illustrious fraternity of Omega Sci-Fi Incorporated. So, as you can hear from the eloquence of these two brothers, they know exactly what they are talking about. Both Naval Academy graduates. Amir, what are you doing in your life right now? Before we have to let go, what do you know? What, what superstar moves are you making? Oh man, you know, so uh, it, it's you know it's it's a never-ending grind, man. You know, uh, so I'm doing extremely well in the military career. Again, always crushing it, uh, but being humble in the process and uh, just doing things, burgeoning uh, in my own business, doing a lot of things in real estate. You know, I, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed beyond belief that men of your ilk and Jake's ilk have been able to come into my life. So it just allows me to continue to to strive for greatness every day, continue to uplift community, humanity, and all of society. That's what I'm about, man. This is my life's work. Man, uh, Amir, I love you, brother. Man, it's been a, it, it has been a blessing to have you and your line brother Vaughn um, to be a part of my life, man. It's just amazing that we have this bond, this bond of Omega that has brought us together as brothers and friends. Brother, I wish you well. I know your dean wishes you well, man. And look, let's get together soon, brother. It will do. All right. We'll talk to all you. All right. Jake. So, Chuck, you know, like, that's, that's, that's a Sharif, right? Yeah. And everybody listens to a very humble man, but what he won't tell you is he bought 19 houses last year. <laughs> what? I need to, look, Amir, if right? you're still listening, like, brother, so, we need to talk. <laughs> so that's a superstar, and that's a superstar, right, that, like, since 2000, I've had my hands on him since 2003. Yeah, no doubt. And somewhere about 2008, like, you know, I didn't have to have my hands on him anymore, right? right that clay right. was molded, but then he started building superstars. Right, and that's what and it's so all you, about. That's all it's about. Like, I'm a mentor of men, and I make mentors, right? And I'm not saying a mentor of men, meaning just straight men, but I'm saying, like, I grow mentorship. That's what I do. So when I find superstars, and we all the same, we mentor superstars, right? right? We right. don't. We don't mentor average people. Like, I'm not about making an average person better. I'm about making a superstar a superstar. Right. Let's go back to this conversation about uh, SEAL training. And just real quick before we go to the break, brother. Um, so you went into SEAL training overweight, out of shape, right? 
Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't overweight so much as I I had been on the ship for two years, and I had like three months to train for SEAL training. I was in Virginia Beach at the time. It was October. No, no, no. It was late September, and I had like this whole grand plan of working out to go to SEAL training. And the first day, I went to the swimming pool. And I went on, like, a little one-mile run, <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Like, I'm kidding myself. So I called the detail. I said, hey, when can I report to SEAL training? She's like, you got to be there October 31st. I said, what happens if I want to be there in two days? She said, go ahead, show up. <laughs> so no no lie, I went, to, I went back home. I was staying with another good fraternity brother that we know, Ron Z. Right. Jerome White, who's a captain in the Navy right now. Right. And uh, I said, hey, Jerome, I said, I'm headed to California. He said, dude, you got two more months. I said, yeah, that ran out about an hour ago. I packed my truck up, and two days later, I reported the SEAL training in San Diego, you know. But that's just how I am. I know if something ain't going to work, and I'll take, I'll take 100% drastic action to fix it immediately. Right. No doubt. No doubt. So going through this training, like you said, you're now a SEAL. So and and I see you know I see shows all the time I see seals talking about leadership I see you know books written by seals all these different things so from your experience as an African American man a man of color um, you know what would you expound to mere mortals right you know like myself that we can do every day to be stronger mentally and physically from what you experienced at seal training. So, you know, it's funny, man. Like, everybody asks me, like, what did you learn in SEAL training, right? Did it make you tougher, da-da-da-da-da? So, so one, I, I mean, one of the things that I don't wish on nobody is you learn how to deal with the devil, okay? You learn to deal with the reaper. So you're going to see death. You're going to see – you're going to feel death, right? Like, I passed out in the swimming pool, okay? It's just you're going to – like, we, um, all of my mentees that go to SEAL training, they live on four creeds. I'll die before I quit. Every day is Tuesday. I prepare for tomorrow like today is the, tomorrow is the Super Bowl. And then I'm 400% prepared for any tests I have to take, right? But that big one is I'll die before I quit. Because you're going to see and feel death. You may pass out in the swimming pool. And you just got to hope that they're going to be able to revive you when they get you up to the surface. <laughs> Because you're going to see it, right? And you're going to be pushed to your limits. But as far as being tough, like, I, you know, I had to chop wood as a kid for 24 hours, like, covered in sawdust. You know, like, my dad raised me tough. And I don't think that I got tougher in field training. I just got harder, you right. know. Like, my propensity for hard work. If you ask me to go walk 300 miles after field training, I could go walk 300 miles. It's not that you wanted to, but you could. Not that I wanted to, but I could, right? If you ask me to swim 10 miles consistently, I could do 10 miles, right? That It gives you an, a, an exorbitant amount of anaerobic or aerobic capabilities, right? But at the end of the day, like, your average seal weighs about a buck 60, about 5'9 to 5'10. You know, they're an average person. Right now, if you put a gun in their hand, they'll kill you. But you know, like the steel training didn't really tough from a toughness thing. You know what I learned? Probably the biggest thing I took away from it all 
it don't matter what's going on. If you're going to win, you're going to have to win on your own merit. You're going to have to win by your like, – with the team that you're in, you're going to have to win because there's going to be a lot of factors out there that you can start blaming stuff on and putting stuff on. You're black in the SEAL team. You're not getting a fair shake, this, that, and the other. But, but at the end of the day, you got to win, right. you know? Right, we're going to continue this conversation with Jake Swig, former U.S. Navy SEAL, and as he says, he makes champions for life after the break. You will listen to the What's the Revolution show with Dr. Charles Cooper. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, Chuck. Freedom at Liberty Bank. At Liberty Bank, you can now open a checking account online and gain immediate access to our many services. It's easy for you to go and keep track of your account at www.LibertyBank.net. You can even apply for loans or services on the go. Banking at Liberty, now 24 hours a day, seven days a week at www.LibertyBank.net. Bank at Liberty, there's freedom here. And don't forget to use promo code double. Looking for that perfect gift for a birthday, an anniversary, or how about just to brighten someone's day? Mona's Accents is your one-stop shop for beautiful floral arrangements that are indeed perfect for any special occasion. Dedicated to quality, freshness, and customer satisfaction, Mona's Accents will surely take care of all of your floral needs. So stop by the shop located at 2109 North Claiborne Avenue or call us at 504-944-7001 and let us arrange and deliver your floral gifts. Again, that's 504 504- 944-7001 or you can order online at www.monasaccents.com Mona's Accents Freshness, quality and customer satisfaction guaranteed The state budget crisis could decimate the new $1.2 billion University Medical Center. UMC is vital because of its combination of educating the next providers as well as delivering healthcare now. University Medical Center is one of the only hospitals to offer level one trauma and burn services along the Gulf Coast. It's about creating great quality of life and great jobs. UMC is vital. Contact your legislators today and tell them to fully fund the UMC. Visit umcisvital.org for more. Join Southern Rep Theater in presenting the Community Power production All the Way, directed by Robert Shinkin, running May 16th through June 3rd at the Marquette Theater. All the Way, set in 1963, chronicles the tumultuous presidency of Lyndon B. Johnson and his work with Martin Luther King Jr. and many other of incredible leaders in their quest to pass the civil rights. You don't want to miss this compelling and historical drama. All the Way, at the Marquette Theater, running May 16th through June 3rd. All the Way. It's not personal. It's politics. WBOK 12:30 a.m. The People's Station. Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show with Dr. Charles Corpru. I'm sitting here talking to my man Jake Swig. Jake. The, the, the conversation has been, yeah, the conversation has been interesting uh, as we've talked about uh, a host of things, as you said, 
you know, you make champions for life, brother. Um, it's it's just interesting. It's just interesting to me to, you know, think about what that means for you. Um, being a champion for life yourself, you, you took the road from being a, a SEAL. And then, Jake, are you with me? I just want to make sure you're there, brother. Yeah, yeah, I'm on it. Okay, honey, okay. Honey, yeah, honey. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you took the road from being a SEAL. You decided to go, you know, after that to go and get an MBA. Why? I mean, you could, spend, well, you, know, you could spend your life being a SEAL. Like you said, you want to go shoot people. You want to go put people on the ground. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, man. At some point, you reach that crossroads where you realize that living the life of a pirate and a government gangster probably isn't in your best long-term interest if you want to have a family. Right. And I'm a, I'm a big family guy. Like, I've always wanted kids, and, you know, I just – I saw the divorce rate in the SEAL teams. I mean, there's a reason it's 98%. Wow. You know, it's, it's a it, – I tell people, man, like, it's hard to be a savage and then be married. Like, it just <laughs> is because you do savage stuff. You right. know what I'm saying? And so the only way I felt that I could truly get married and have a family and be successful was to kind of distance myself from that savage lifestyle. Right. And – you know, shoot, it, it worked out. I got a, a wonderful wife from the University of Michigan. I got three awesome kids. You know, I don't look back at all. But, you know, in all honesty, that was probably the best job I've ever had, right? right. But right. Being a SEAL? Like, yeah, it's the best job in the, you, you've ever had because every decision you make either costs people their lives or costs other people their lives. Oh, right. right? I see that. Right. Like you don't make you don't make a lot of decisions in the middle of the road, right? Like I I determine if you live or die. That's power, and, brother. That's that's very know, powerful. Yeah, you know, for a, for an individual like me, the way I was raised, like it doesn't really get any better than that, right? Right, right. right. I got but, you. But but the next best thing is cultivating that in other people, right? I've made since 2011, I've made nine African American SEAL officers. Okay. You know, I've made uh, seven other seals in that time. You know, so like it, 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 it continues. You know, like I still live in the community somewhat. You know, but I, it, it's not who I am. Right. You know, right. I don't I don't have to savage people for a living anymore, <laughs> and so therefore I don't have to necessarily be the savage. I got you. Right? I got you. Well, ironically, there's somebody else that. That you made into a good man. Vaughn, what's up, brother? What's going on, bro? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, your, 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 your dean's on the line. He just wanted to, you know, say hello to you. <laughs> I, I love it. I love to hear it, man. You're right. You, you can't be a savage and be married. That's tough. That's a tough family. Yeah. But he did it. You know, he did it. And he figured it out, and he made a way to make it better. You know, and he's a great example to emulate. You know, there's a lot of things that we... Were taught at the academy, some things we just weren't gonna get taught. But right. they do that to us, and they've been instilled that. And, and being that champion for life, oh yeah, those those are some true words. And he definitely is a, a walking example of that. You know, he lives his creed when he speaks to that. Right. You know, I look up to him. It's not a day that if I'm ever caught up in a conundrum or I have a a decision to make that I don't think of him to call first. You know, so and that that hasn't changed. And I'm being removed from school for 13 plus years. You know, yeah. 
No doubt, no doubt. I remember when we all got together back in 2003, when you uh, you all were um, making your way. That's how we're going to put it, when you all were. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It, was, it, was doing, it was doing Easter while we were stepping in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, 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 exactly. And, you know, those were good times back at the house in Maryland, Jake. We had we had some good, good times back then. Oh, man, man we don't want to talk about that July no. 4th party in 04. Oh, man, let me tell you. <laughs> we, we don't want to bring back maybe the most epic event that I've ever been a part no. of. Oh, three, three, three days, three days, bro. Three day party. No, dog. It went from Wednesday to Monday morning. What? You do the math. That's like six days. <laughs> we had a ball, but you know the the one thing that, as I said, we are family, and Vaughn and Amir, um, and our brother out in uh, Seattle, out in Washington. Please, he gonna kill me if he listens to the show. Taj, Taj. Oh, T Mac. Don't forget my name. Taj, if you listen, brother, I love you, brother. I love you. But you know. The family that we've had, that we've built together, man, success. And, you know, it all stems from, you know, meeting Jake back in 1998. But this brother came in. <laughs> and, Vaughn, you know, he used to laugh at us, right? Right. <laughs> nothing. He was like, nothing. I'm just going to laugh at you. I'm just going to laugh at you. Bro, what are you doing in your life right now, Vaughn? You know, what's the great things that you got going on that really you can say Jake had a hand in? I'm going to say 100%. Still continuing in my naval career, I would say Jake had a hand in. Um, right now, I, I, I surfaced, uh, I selected surface uh, warfare. So first, I was on ships and I was traveling the, the seven seas, going to deployments, going to the Middle East, and coming back. You know, safe and sound, uh, having that leadership and that that fortitude. Because you got to remember, when we graduate, we're in our early twenties. A lot of our contemporaries are the people we have to lead. So it's very difficult to go into a situation. And when some of these guys have been doing this job, been in the Navy for three, four, five years. And this is your first day on the ship, and you got to tell them what to do. That's very difficult, you know. And be able to to delegate that authority down, um, Jake was able to instill it to it. Because again, in school, you really don't see it because it's just your class, and your class kind of rotates. And whoever may be over you, you go in, you can joke with them later on. But see, when you get down to the nitty gritty, when you're in the navy, there's no joking with your subordinates at that point. Right. Yeah, leaders and company commanders, but they were all out there. We graduated at the same time went to the same fleet, you know, so nothing was different for us. But when we go into the fleet and now you're in the actual Navy, yeah, your subordinates are those who have to follow you, you know, and you have to be able to be that example. And also with that example, Jake also, he's always reaching back. I will always say reaching back, and, and he inspired me as I, I got older now. I'm a, I'm a father figure, and I have a daughter. She's seven years old. She's doing great. Um, I'm able to, to do certain things now. I, I coach high school football now. I try to give back to youth as I can. I'm starting up a proper organization. Um, that's been a, been a, tri- a trial. I will not say that I can't say that I would I would stop doing it. It's been, it's been rough. It's been a little tough some days, but I can't say that I'm going to stop because I know that it's always going to help develop that man that's behind me. You know, I do this a lot of the times. A lot of the stuff I don't do for me anymore. Right. You know, it's for behind me. It's for my daughter so she can see that, hey, we can do this. No right. matter what, you know, right. it's always going to be done. Uh, Vaughn, I appreciate your brother, man. I mean, it's it, it's good to hear your voice, man. Next time I'm in Virginia, you know we got to get together. You know, this leadership, this champion for life that he's made, made so many people, man. And, you know, it's a blessing to see you and Amir and Taj doing so well, brother. You know, champions for life, brother. Rude to you, brother. Rude, bro. Appreciate it. Jake, you take care, baby. Hey, rude to the cues, dog. <laughs> hey, Jake, so, um, you know, um, you went on from Michigan. Right. And all of a sudden you said, I want to be a reality TV star. Right. Well, you know, I, I went into coaching first. And so 
I left Michigan. I worked at Corporate America for two years. I hated every second of it. I made a ton of money. It just wasn't who I was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know me well enough to know I don't play politics super well. I play them a lot better now that I've aged a little bit. But back then, I wasn't playing no politics. You know, I told my boss I was he was going to be the first person I fired when I bought the company. <laughs> you know, and then I proceeded to, to do some things and was in a position to buy the company. But then I, did, I got the GA job at Maryland. You know, I took a, you know, a, I took a fix a, a six-figure haircut in pay, and went and made seven thousand dollars a year and haven't looked back since. So, right, right, right. You know, and then it, and then as I developed in coaching, I said, man, I said all this reality TV stuff is made for football. I said, but I got to cut my teeth in TV before they're gonna give me give me a TV show from a football program. So I dabbled a little bit in that first TV show. You know, I found out real quickly how quick they will spin everything you do in a negative light, which is fine. You know, I, I, I walked off the show, and it got canceled, and I took 1.5 million people with me, which never happens. And so, you know, one of the benefits of doing being me and, and doing what I do my phone never I, I could go get a TV job tomorrow if I wanted one. Right, right. So you, you know. So Jake, I mean you were on this show called if I recall, it was Dude You're Screwed, right? Oh, you talking about Dude You're Screwed. I was on Dude You're Screwed, but I was on Top Shot first. Yeah, yeah, Top Shot first. But I want to talk about Dude You're Screwed first. All right, just okay. just for one second. Where did they drop you? Because this basically basically um uh, the premise of this show is that they rip you from wherever you are in the world and then drop you in some remote area. Is that correct? Yeah, I got I got dropped in Iceland first season on top of a, a mountain, basically a volcano, at like minus forty degrees. Um, you know, the good thing is I don't get cold, but it was cold. You know, and <laughs> they gave me this life size pink teddy bear I had to carry around. What was up with that? That's why I was watching the show. I was like, what was up with the pink teddy bear? So we give people stupid things, but like the pink teddy bear ended up being really good because I could sleep on it. And it kept me off the ground. Like, right. I didn't have to sleep in the snow, you know, which, you know, shoot, in that cold weather environment, that's the whole nitty-gritty is to stay warm. Right. So. I got you. So watching that show, what what, what is the takeaway from the average from the average man? What can, what can I do, you know, what can I take away from that show to make me a better man? So, you know, it's interesting. I didn't answer that question directly last time you answered it. And, you know, the best thing I'm going to say is Jocko is 100% right, Jocko Willing, um, in the Jocko podcast, about a 4.30 wake-up. And so one of the things that I do when I first get my hands on somebody is they go read the book Extreme Ownership, and then we start exercising some of the principles in the book, right? And the best principle to me is a 4.30 wake-up. And, and this is how it works. So the night before, you plan what you're going to do in the morning. You lay your clothes out. You lay your, your you got your whole plan ready. If you're going to do work, you leave it on the kitchen table when you go to bed, and you go to bed about 8 o'clock. Okay, so you're still getting a good eight hours of sleep. And when you wake up at 4.30, you do something physical immediately. So I go right to the swimming pool. I hit the swimming pool for about 30 minutes, and then I come home, and I walk back in the house at, at 5.30. And I'll work from 5.30 to when my kids get up at 7. And by 7 o'clock, you've already been up for two and a half hours, and you're killing it. Right. It's quiet. And what, ha what happens is the better you get, 
pretty soon at 12 o'clock, you work the full day. Pretty soon at 4, you work two full days. And what happens is it changes your mentality about what you're going to do and what you're willing to accept. And pretty soon you become a savage and you say, hey, you know what, I can't fail today. I got up at 4.30. That 4.30 gave me so much confidence to win that I won't allow the day to be bad. I won't allow myself to have a bad day. I won't allow myself to fail today. Right, right. And so it's really a mindset change, right, on top of the fact that you can do two and a half hours worth of extra stuff a day. That's amazing. I'm going to need to incorporate that in my life, maybe next week. Now, here's here's (laughs) what I'm going to say, Chuck. Here's what I'm going to say, right? I do it in spurts. Okay. Okay, all right. So I don't, you're not going to see me like when the season starts in August, I'll get up at 430 because I got to swim before I come to work because I'm not going to get home until 12 midnight. That's a little bit different, right? But like this summer, I may burn a couple weeks up at 430. I got some projects that I'm working on that if I get up at 430, I'll I'll move mountains. If I get up at 7 or 6 when my kids do, I won't move mountains. I got you. I got you. I got, you one, I got one question, Jake. I got one question. Go ahead. Uh, you listen to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal. I got this one question. Jermaine, do you get up at 4.30? <laughs> In my dreams, I get up at 4.30. <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to your LB, dog. What's going on, T? Hey, what up, never answer the phone, man? What's going on, partner? <laughs> Oh, man, hey, that's the man. It's good stuff, man. I've just been sitting here listening to you, man. You get me right, inspired, straight. brother. Hey, we juicing up this corporate crowd. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the band is back together. Uh, fall 98. <laughs> back together, <laughs> celebrating 20 years. You know, Jermaine, what are we going to do, do for the anniversary, bro? Hey, man, I guess it all depends on Jake's schedule. Man. Yeah, he didn't. You're going to be in the middle of the season, bro. Yeah, we might have to get together for Christmas. Christmas is a good one. Maybe we do Christmas events. I would love that. I okay. would love that. I would love it. So, Jermaine, you spent uh, a lot of time with Jake, right? <laughs> you spent a mm-hmm. lot of time with Jake and, and, and had to actually take a lot of the brunt uh, of life for Jake. Um, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, just being with him, just being his person. You, you, you've had to, over the last 20 years, just be like, that's my line, brother, right? But what are a couple? What are a couple things that you have actually learned after spending twenty years with this brother? You know, he said he said he's made champions for life, man. But you all have been together. We have been together for twenty years. What is that one or two things that you have learned from him that you incorporate in your life every day? Um, I guess I would say one of the <clears throat> the biggest things is just being strong mentally. Um, this brother is one of the strongest brothers mentally that I have, uh, you know, that I've ever run a, ever run across, whether it's, you know, dealing with things mentally or dealing with things physically, just as, uh, you know, his mindset, I've just always been able to appreciate it. And, and frankly, you know, uh, I kind of leaned on that. You know, a little bit when I was, uh, you know, first getting to know you, Lansing, just right. from conversations that I've had. With. Right. And the other thing is, and this is just kind of a, just a, uh, again, just about Jake, is that 
you can't always judge a a book by its uh, its cover. And you know, he probably won't like me saying this, but I'm gonna say it. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jake is a he's an ex Navy SEAL. I mean, he's as tough as it comes. And but you know, once you get to know him, you know how it is. I mean, he's one of the you know it doesn't get any better. No, uh, we got and, into we got know, into it yesterday. Is, you know, he's <laughs> as deep as he's as deep as as they come. You know, he's as generous as they come. And you know, when you just see him out or whatever, you may not notice that at first. But you know that you know that that that's just how that's how he is. But again, the biggest thing is just you know just being uh, you know just being strong. Mentally, and also um, not being afraid to step out and put yourself out there and do something that's, that's your passion. Right. Um, right. I don't know if you all mentioned this before, but, you know, Jake, is, he's a Naval Academy grad. He's a very smart, you know, he was a Naval officer. He went to UM, a you know, highly respected business school, where he, you know, could have been working in corporate America and he gave, you know, he put that down to go coach at uh, Maryland, I believe, as a grad assistant. Right, right. And lose I know lose that I money. Mean, I don't know exactly what he was making, but I know it wasn't anywhere near what he could have been making in corporate America. And so, you know, he's an example of someone that, you know, if they have a passion that's what they want to do, then, you know, they'll put themselves out there and uh, go do it. So I always admire that about it. Right, right. Jermaine, brother, I appreciate you so much, man. Look, we got to get together, man. I know, look, Jermaine has two boys and a lovely wife, man, doing his thing uh, out in the world, revolutionary himself, man. Brother, I appreciate you. Love you. Uh, these 20 years, man, have been good. You know, Jermaine is one of, Jermaine, like Jake, is one of my counsels. You know, when I when I got stuff going on and I need some I need some words of wisdom, I'm calling these two brothers, man. So, Jermaine, take care of yourself, man. I appreciate you so much. Thanks, Jermaine. <laughs> All right, brother. All right. Yeah, I'll be good. All right. Take care. Jake, man, okay. we, we only got about 10 minutes left, man. A couple things that I really, really want to get into, and, and, and Jermaine kind of lined it up for us um, one second. You gave up, you know, a six-figure, you know, a high six-figure salary, you know, to go coach football, right? To be a GA, like you said, $7,000. Why? I mean, I understand passion, but – you. You, you were starting a family, you know, your wife's like, what are you doing? Why? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting, man. Everybody comes to a crossroads, and last year, man, my wife told me, she said, look, we're not raising our kids in this town. I was at a different school in a different situation, and I had my rope was up, you know. The, the, the making low pennies was over, <laughs> and, you know, I, I'll tell you exactly what I did. I set my alarm clock for 4.20, not even 4.30, and my butt was up and going at 4.30 for a good four months straight. And then, lo and behold, July, I get a phone call. Next thing you know, my feet land. Two days later, my feet land in Illinois, and I'm in the Big Ten, and now everything's looking good. Right, right, with uh, with the acclaimed coach, Lovey Smith. Uh, yeah, Lovey's awesome. But, yeah. you know, I, I tell people this, man, and, and I think it's funny. Uh, you know, a while back I was running on this saying that the person that wins in life is the man that takes the most pain, right? 
And, you know, I guess if you grew up as a stoop or as a as a, a made man in this business, you might not have it as hard. But, you know, like, shoot, my dad was a truck driver. You know, ain't nobody in my family, per se, really set me up for life other than preparing me for life. And so, you know, I got no problem being broke, right, because I'm never really broke. Broke is just a, a figment of how much I'm making at the time. It's more so, like... I can't give any of my energy to stuff I'm not passionate about. I just can't. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm better off. Like my wife said, she said, I'm a thousand times better to live with coaching football broke than I was in corporate America making a ton of money. Right. Wow. I'm going to have to make sure that I listen to that again so I can tweet it out. You're a better man broke (laughs) than you were making six figures. And we know, you know, it's interesting, Jacob, I'm going to say this and put this out there because I'm always vulnerable and open and honest on my show, is that no one would have thought that you would have been the dad with three kids and I would be the single one without kids, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm very lucky that my wife hasn't left me yet. (laughs) That's how every day I thank her. I say, baby, I appreciate you not leaving me today. Oh, man. Because, you know, like I I do stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I still have a lot of bad tendencies to do stuff right like so i'll give you an example this friday we got a day off sunday we got camp on saturday well i got a mentee flying into chicago that i'm gonna pick up from the airport at eight o'clock and we're gonna do seal training until eight the next morning then i'm gonna give turn her over to somebody they're gonna put her back on the plane i'm gonna drive back down here and go back to work with no sleep but I'm not going to have seen my family in probably 48 hours when I walk in the house on a Saturday evening late. Right, right. You know, so, like, I'm going to get where I got to go, and she understands. I mean, she's been on this tra- she been on this crazy train for, like, 15 years now. Yeah. So, but, you know, like I you know, like I told her a couple weekends ago, hey, I'm going to jump out of planes this weekend, you know, and I, I went up to the drop zone, pitched my tent, you know, parachuted all weekend, and I came home on Sunday. I was a lot happier, <laughs> and you know, I got a I got a car that I work on. I made a motorcycle a couple of years ago. You know, she know when the projects show up in the garage. I'm gonna be in the garage until two, three in the morning. Right. So right. the Galaxy, brother. You know, we used to roll in the Galaxy, man. I love that car. Yeah, man. The Galaxy coming back, man. It's making a comeback. I'm really? I'm welding up the the trunk right now. I got a new front end to put in it, a new rear end, yeah. and then. You know, the new move is I might be dropping a, a BT4 Cummings uh, diesel engine in so I can get 37 miles to the gallon so I can ride it everywhere. <laughs> You're killing me, dog. Uh, so let me ask you this question, man. You know, you, so, yep. you talk about these things that make you happy. What does the healthiest version of you look like? Uh, the healthiest version of me is being a head coach in Division One school winning a national championship. Okay. Crystal that, clear. That was not the the expected answer. Why is that? Why does that make you the healthiest version of yourself? So, so here's what I'm gonna tell you. I got three goals in life. I'm gonna raise three beasts in life. My three kids are gonna be complete savages, academically, mentally, physically. Okay. Then the next goal under that is to win a Division One national championship as a head coach. Period. And then I'm gonna parlay that Division One national championship into a U.S. seat, a U.S. senator seat, okay? So in my mind, right, that number one goal that I have is always number one and overarching. So I could have said, hey, I'm going to be a great husband and an incredible father to my two, my three kids. But to me, that is the number one goal. That's not even really a goal. That's, that's my that's life expectancy. That's, that's, that's the only thing that I have. Right. 
So the, so what makes me happy is achieving my goals. And my next goal in line is to win a Division One national championship. Right, right. So in knowing those things, what are the steps you do? We know you get up at 4.30 in the morning. What are some other steps that you take to achieve these goals? So our business is big in, in communication and networking, right? And so I'm all about building long-term quality relationships with people that already like you know, and I try to help them out where I can, and then, you know, hopefully they help you out when they can help you out. Right, right. You know, and, and I'm working on, so I gave a, a speech to a bunch of athletic directors last year. It paid incredible dividends on leadership. Right. Right? I, I do, I'm serving on this committee here for leadership development for the athletic department. I, you know, there's nothing I won't do um, to get where I want to go. And I'm going to do everything I have to do to get there. Right. And you know that relationships matter. And that, that... Relationships are the key. And I'm not going to make no excuses, right? Do I want to be on this committee for leadership development at the University of Illinois Athletic Department? No, not really. Would I like to go home every day at 4 o'clock and see my kids? Yes. Do I have to have – do I got this program kicking off on Wednesday next week? And I'm probably going to stay here until 8 or 9 every day because the program can only be world class. That's the only type of program I can run. So if if, if I got to run a program, then I got to prepare to run that program, right? But I know that if I run that program well, word's going to get around. And if word gets around, now I'm going to be in new circles of people and new relationships and new power players, right? At the end of the day, as an African-American football coach, I have to do stuff different, bigger, better, and bolder than the next guy to even have a shot to get it in it. Yeah, and, 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 that's what, and that's why I ask you these questions, Jake, because I want my listeners to understand that, you know, everything you said, if you're going to be a champion for life, you need to surround yourself with other champions. You have to have a good mentor who sees, who can see, as you said earlier, you know, where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are, and, you know, let those weaknesses go because we're going to focus in on your strengths, you know. And it was really interesting yesterday because we got into it, you know, and that's, and that's what brothers do. We'll, we'll get into it sometimes, right? But what did yeah. I te- what did I text you last night? Yeah, yeah, you you needed that. I needed that. I needed yeah. that. Yeah, I I needed it. And that's what we do. We, we iron sharpens iron, as my boy Rashad Wright says, iron sharpens iron. So I appreciate that, brother. And you know, and with that, that means that our show is is, is running to its course, brother. Um, Jake, thank you so much, man, because this is to me this is one of our greatest shows because you have imparted so much wisdom and knowledge and motivation that we need to be successful, brother. So I am grateful for your time uh, and everything that you do, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Charles. Yeah, man. I'll be sending you uh, everything you need to send this out, brother. How can we get in touch with you? Jake. What? Gone. <laughs> now I was going to say, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, man, just shoot me an email. Jake Zwig, uh, Jake.Zwig at Gmail. Look me up on LinkedIn. Hit me up on Instagram. I'm easy. You put my name in. You get a phone number and an email, man. Gotcha. I'm no stranger. Gotcha. You've been listening to the What's Your Revolution show. We will see you next week for our snowball retreat with Ray Ray and Chuck. Peace, everybody.